Hello, everyone. This is the History Brothers Podcast. I'm Wyatt. And I'm Andrew. And today we will be discussing, finally, the War of 1812. And with us for this podcast episode, we have uh, David Gretzky. David Grasky. Grasky. Oh, Grasky. Okay. Do you want to start over? (laughs) We can still keep it like this if we want to. Yeah. (laughs) Gretz. Well, I thought there was a T in there. uh, Yeah, it's commonly uh, confused with the uh, (laughs) the famous hockey player, Wayne Gretzky. Oh. Uh, When I was young, people would think, are you related to Wayne Gretzky? (laughs) No. No, different name. So so the T is silent then? There's no T. Oh, there's no T. I always thought there was a T. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So it's Grasky. Grasky, yes. Grasky, okay. Now that we've got your last name. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Everyone knows. Right? Now you, the more you know, right? <laughs> yeah, talk about a historic name. Uh, right? Um, but yeah, that's me, David Kraski. Awesome. Yeah, no, we're going to alternate between War of 1812 topics throughout all of it. We'll try our best on what it was because it's a war that we that needs more and more research because there's just... It's, it's, known as, it's known as like the Know Nothing War because we're not exactly sure how it started or why. Yep. And we're not sure there was justified reasons for it. I mean, well, some, but like it was, it's not completely clear what started it. It's also kind of debated who really won because it kind of was somewhat of a stalemate at the end, but we'll yeah. get to that in a little bit. Also, the factor too is it's kind of like it wasn't. That war was honestly not the most popular war in, in history, hence why there's so many books about other wars than, like, War of 1812 and other wars that we know of. Anyways, so first we're going to talk about key figures throughout this war. And one of the top three figures I'm going to talk about first, one will be about the legendary Davy Crockett. Now, whoever knows of the legend of Davy Crockett will either know of the historical figure, the famous Battle of the Alamo, and also the famous Disney movies that came out in the 50s. By the way, they're excellent. I recommend them. Um... There is – but one thing that is really interesting is the fact that in the War of 1812, Davy Crockett actually re-enlisted from the military. And according to this web article from History.com, um, he was a third sergeant and he actually changed his name to Captain John Cowan because I think for some reason my best guess is, is – um, uh, my best guess is they honestly wouldn't let him back in if he, they said his name was David Crockett, especially if it was just people because I think he, since he served in the American War and also Indian Wars and stuff – but one thing that is very well known is that he worked in, mainly in um, Spanish Florida with Andrew Jackson to clear, according to this quote unquote in this article, to clear British forces, including British trained Indians from the region. And he was actually discharged from the war in 1815. But sadly, there's not much to go on with that figure because, well, again, not much is known for the War of 1812. But there's also another key figure, two other key figures to talk about. One that is also from hugely of legend, but also known for history, is the man named Daniel Boone. And also according to History.com, he apparently tried at 78 years old, tried to enter the war and tried to, um, in 1812, trying to actually fight again. But he was at denied admission. Honestly, he probably should have changed his name and tried to lie about his age. <laughs> that would have been funny. But um, uh, no, he tried to get back into that war and stuff. And for those who don't know Daniel Boone, he was famous for the Wilderness Road as well as Boonesboro in Kentucky. And uh, he's also – there's also, again, another 1950s, 1960s TV show about it, also recommend, which is also ironic since the same actor who played Davy Crockett also played Daniel Boone. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a side note. But and he then, was certainly typecast. Yes, he was. <laughs> but I think he loved it anyway because he did that one show for like six seasons. So it's like – but anyways, um, next we're going to talk about the famous man known as um, 
Uh, ah, here he is. James Bowie, who is famously known for the Bowie knife, as well as, again, the Battle of Alamo. One thing he's also known as is basically he also volunteered for the War of 1812 in the late 1814 to help out fight in the Brit- against the British in the War of 1812, and ironically, again, under Andrew Jackson. And honestly, it was just... According to this as well, it was founded in the Louisiana... He was in the, enlisted into the Louisiana militia. So, again, not much is known. Again, I would like to research that more because what makes it even more intriguing is if, since he was in Louisiana, he might have been participating in the Battle of New Orleans, possibly. I have no idea for sure, but, again, he needs more info on that. But from those key figures that have been known, there's also the wider figures. One specific one is good old Andrew Jackson. He, um... He was honestly the, a very controversial man back in those days. Kind of, I would say, like um, the Trump of their era, I would say, most likely. And they, they very much, he very much was an interesting general, especially since he continued fighting even after the war was over. But, no, Andrew Jackson was honestly a general who was famous for the Battle of New Orleans. And, again, if I remember correctly, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, the Battle of New Orleans took place after the war, but it was still a huge victory, so they still celebrated regardless. Right. I mean, the the battle took place after, but they didn't know that the war right. was over was the yeah. the issue. Peace had just been signed. signed but Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And, you know, and just the other factor, too, was, was just how... Uh, Especially with Jackson, because I know he the, the most controversy that he got from it was when he always attacks against the Native Americans. But that was always that's also a process for another discussion for another topic. But the other two figures I wanted to mention was for one thing, uh, John Adams. He during his rivalry of Thomas Jefferson during his latter years, he actually accused Jefferson of uh, causing terrible losses. When I explained upon the military later and before the war happened and stuff. And because of it, Jefferson actually gave a reply saying, well, then, if this is the case, there is also the fact that, like, yes, I understand where he's coming from, but at least there were some victories in the smaller small Navy military as well. But there was just an interesting topic about that as well. And another big figure I would say that is honestly most proficient, though I can't really place a fact on this if this is to be true. But during one of his speeches, President George Washington even said, about how to keep neutral grounds towards other foreign countries, especially England and France. And he's hoping that 20 years would pass before where they can have neutrality as well as possibly predicting about what causes people can also have. It was over a certain bill against not fighting with other people at the time when he was president against the foreign, against foreign countries. You might be referring to the Jay Treaty. It was well. No, there was another document. Apparently, according to a quote from George Washington. Oh. Well, but, in his farewell address, he did address the idea of like getting into foreign conflicts that that should be avoided at all costs, as well as uh, not having significant foreign t- ties to foreign nations. Right. So, and in that way, you could argue he predicted <clears throat> what America would do a, a decade plus later. Right. I have to relook at the quote, but I was positive it was George. According to it, it was what George Washington said, and he kind of. Honestly, said that if they don't do something within 20 years, it will be helpful or something like that. But again, I'm majorly paraphrasing. It was a, I sadly didn't have the book with me because otherwise I would have read it out loud. Right. This is what I get for being in a rush today. So, but honestly, those were some key historical figures that had some interesting tie-ins to the War of 1812. But honestly, like Wyatt said, it's definitely called the Know Nothing War because we don't really know much about it. Don't know why it was fought or nothing else. Personally, I called it the American Revolution Part 2 because... Again, Americans just had grudges against Britain so much. But 
honestly, just if you want to get a good context video, honestly, like what was it, guys? We watched was it College Humor where they did that fake War of 1812 trailer or whatever? Oh yeah, and we did. Yeah, like that and, one gives you a best explanation. And, and they don't really know, and they kept saying like, "Go fight for us." And it's like, but why are we fighting? I don't know, or something like that. Basically, they just made fun of the War of 1812, saying, like, no one knew what they were doing or why. Yeah, and that's basically a good idea of what the War of 1812 yeah. was, especially since we don't have much sources. But, but yeah, no, um, what else can you guys add to the table? Well, I think that um, we can talk a little bit about the causes for the war and, and why it was started. I think we know um, somewhat uh, of enough to, to make that... Um, to make claims about the the causes in the start, mm-hmm. I think that really um, what you see with the War of 1812 is a very unpopular and partisan war that was mainly sponsored by bureaucrats who wanted to test the uh, American army, really. And um, so in the um, uh, official declaration of war, um, the main reason uh, for going to war that the Congress cites is this practice of impressment. So um, that is true. Uh, over in Europe, it's pretty important to know what was going on at the time. So Napoleon Bonaparte had risen to power over the course of the last couple decades and was really, at, in 1812, he was pretty much the master of Europe. Um, he was he hadn't quite invaded Russia yet and so he hadn't quite uh, lost the main bulk of his his power but in 1812 in the years preceding it England in order to maintain its independence had to maintain the largest navy in the world and the most powerful one and um, they couldn't do that with their sailors alone and so what they started doing is um, they needed experienced sailors and so they you know, they detained American and neutral ships that were crossing the Atlantic, and they said, hey, you're an experienced sailor. You're going to fight for the British now. Yeah. And they couldn't do anything about it. Parliament had passed orders allowing uh, Royal Navy ships to, you know, grab neutral sailors and force them into work. And um, obviously Americans didn't like that when their sailors were being more or less uh, forced into service on British ships. Um, Though, the interesting thing is that that cause, uh, while it was the major one that was cited by uh, Congress, um, five days after the Declaration of War was signed, Parliament actually repealed that order that allowed Royal Navy ships to impress sailors. Mm -hmm. So... The interesting thing is that at that point, America, I mean, the die had been cast, more or less. They had declared war, and they couldn't take it back. And they didn't really want to take it back, at least not the majority party. So um, it's also important to note that Congress in America was very much divided, very polarized. Um, You had the Democratic-Republicans on one side and the Federalists on the other. And... um, it's important to note every single Federalist in Congress voted to oppose the war. Every single one. So clearly the war was very much a partisan issue. We had right. the Democratic-Republicans, um, people like 
Calhoun and um, Henry Clay really wanted this war to happen. And it, the, the only reason that makes sense seems to be they really wanted to test the army and they wanted to see if America could take advantage of the situation in Europe to gain ground. Uh, I think that in some ways this was the earliest kind of rumblings of manifest destiny in that um, they looked north and they saw Canada and it was ruled by a foreign power and they thought, what if that was not ruled by a foreign power? What if it was ruled by us? And they... So the and the only way to do that would be to go to war with Britain, of course. And what better excuse to go to war with Britain than the impressment of sailors? So I think that that's kind of the main thrust of why this happened. And um, ironically, towards the end of the war, um, the Federalists uh, they thought that that America was losing, and they. You know, um, they got together and convened to try to offer peace to Britain just as Andrew Jackson had won his stunning victory in New Orleans. And that dichotomy, the fact that the Federalists were seeking peace while America, the Democratic Republicans um, leading it, had just crushed the British, pretty much destroyed the Federalist Party. Right. So I think that the important thing to note is that this was a partisan war and whether or not America or Britain won, the Democratic Republicans certainly beat the Federalists in mm-hmm. their little mini war in the in Congress is what I would say. Um, yeah. And I think also, if I remember correctly, weren't like, then the British, when they impressed sailors, then they're like, wait a minute, you were foreign British, get over here. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. With all these excuses. <laughs> that's, that's definitely the attitude is like, they, you know, they really needed people on their ships and um, whatever their excuses they could manage to come right. up with, they went with it um, for better or worse. Clearly, they didn't want a war with America, and clearly their actions led to that. Um, But the other thing to keep in mind is just America, you know, the bureaucrats wanted a war. But the military was woefully unprepared for a war with Britain. I mean, they... This was the first major conflict America had been in since the revolution, and the army and the navy were really in a sorry state. Like, yep. um, the British, for instance, here's a statistic. The British had six, or no, not six, they had three naval warships, entire naval warships for every one American naval gun oh my in their navy. Oh, and freak. that is like... That's an insane discrepancy of naval power. And, you know, the army wasn't much better. Uh, The only advantage America really had was that they had more population on the North American continent, whereas Canada was pretty sparsely populated. Right. Um, And even then, they still couldn't beat Canada. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or at least take over. Exactly. They couldn't. And that's an important point because they tried. Early in the summer of 1812, you know, you had uh, General Hull who crossed into um, Canada from Detroit. He marched 
up through modern-day Ontario, and his army basically fell apart because they had no, like, morale. They mutinied. They were too far from home, and so he had to retreat back to Detroit and just sit there. Meanwhile, the British, with a small force, um, who was their commander? It was Sir Isaac Brock, um, who's actually a really interesting figure, but he had a smaller army than Hull, parked his army outside Detroit, and basically made Hull think that his army was much bigger than it was. And so Hull surrendered Detroit to the British. And so surrendered his larger army to the smaller British army. (laughs) And that's... That's very, very embarrassing for America yeah. in those first opening months of the war. Yeah, if I remember correctly, well, I do remember correctly, but the other thing I remember too was, especially the poor military service, is how um, the British Army as well, when they literally invaded our original capital and burned the place to the ground. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. honestly, too, if, we did, if it weren't for Dolly Madison, honestly, we probably would have lost a good chunk of like primary mm-hmm. sources through the paintings that were hung up in that building. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Good chunk of history might have been erased from that if it weren't for her. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, you talked about how this war wasn't very popular and it's not very heavily depicted. And I think the reason that is is because it's so embarrassing for America. <laughs> like, you have some very clear stunning victories that is true new orleans battle of lake erie uh you know the uss constitution those were you know very solid victories very important but the rest of it really really embarrassing and the british don't really care about it because it was it was a sideshow to what was going on in europe at the time i mean they (laughs) they they basically sent their they basically let Canada fend for itself until Napoleon had been defeated. And then they're like, oh, we should probably do something about America. <laughs> and they sent, you know, Wellington over. Right. But, um, yeah, really quite interesting. Um, and, you know, I think that it the 1812 kind of was the... the, the signal of doom for the native americans in 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 north america i mean uh right before that right during the war really tecumseh and his brother ten Squataway had their little alliance they were gathering together forces coalescing into uh theoretically an indian nation that would have been theoretically recognized by great britain right um America won the battle and killed Tecumseh, crushed his his um, nation building, and um, similarity or similarly in you were talking about in in Florida with Jackson, and you know these were great victories. America defended itself, was able to stay independent, but unfortunately, at the cost of any. Um, attempts at Native American independence and like I'm surprised more people don't talk about that on how it was kind of the beginning of the end well you could say the beginning of the end was a lot earlier but it was definitely you know the the there was it was the the, there was no turning back after that point I would say um yeah yeah no 
honestly, there's you know, this will be interesting to look at. I also found something here too. I really do not trust like history dot com too much because they just it always varies with them. Mm-hmm. But like, let's see. Here. I mean, they have ancient aliens for crying out loud. I know. Oh, <laughs> that, yes. that just pisses me off. I love that off. show. What? <laughs> they literally said the whale that swallowed Jonah may have been an alien somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, they talk about the Egyptian architecture like it was made by aliens. We all know that's not true. That's that's why I love it. It's that, they just the greatest ex- comedy show on Comedy, TV. okay. Well, maybe if I looked at it like that. But the sad thing is I think too many people take it seriously. That's probably not true. Right. But anyways, according to... I also found more on the History Channel with the War of 1812. They also, according to this, they say... That the war declaration was being had been called in response to the British economic blockade of France, obviously the impression of Ameri- mm-hmm. American seamen into the British Royal Navy against their will, and the British support of hostile Indian tribes along the Great Lakes frontier. Right. Which honestly, the the second, third one actually makes sense, but also the first one too for trading and stuff like that. But at the same time, though, the first one's kind of visible flimsy. But let's see. And like you said, and I actually found a title for those people in Congress who wanted to fight. Mm. They were called the Warhawks. Right, exactly. Yeah. They were, I also think they were like a younger group of congressmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were in their like mid-late 20s. Right. So yeah, they were like the fiery young. Right. Yeah. They, they weren't around during the revolution. No, yeah. They were no. born towards the middle or end of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, and then – no, exactly. And that's just like – again, it's kind of like – the unions, the kind of like our generation sometimes, right. honestly. Yeah. They're a little too fiery. <laughs> yep. But uh, no, and then there's also like these other factors too. Like they also said that apparently American forces launched the three-point invasion of Canada, mm-hmm. which were decisively like successful. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I'm just like, why would you invade Canada? It's Canada. Well, yeah. No offense to Canadians. I'm just know. saying. <laughs> At the time, what was there to gain by invading and conquering Canada? Like okay. land. Land, but it it's literally it snows a lot up there more even than yep. Minnesota. So it's like, what are you gonna gain by going up there? Right. Nah, kind of like a kind of our version of of Russia and invading Russia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, but we've only done it once. Right. That's true. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Sadly, oh. Hitler and Napoleon did not. Nope. Never. No. Yeah. But, no, honestly, we also just talk about all sorts of battles. Like, like, do you guys know the Battle of Plattsburgh? I think so. Is that? Um, it sounds familiar. So it's about a battle where, let's see, George Prevost, mm. who, yeah. Prevost, Prevost, I don't know how they say that one. Um, let's see, British ground troops to engage in skirmish with the Americans on September 11th. Then on September 11th, the British naval squadron under Captain George Downey sailed into battle against a small American right. naval force under Master Commandant Thomas McDonough, who was waiting on Plattsburgh Bay on Lake, at Plattsburgh Bay on Lake Champlain. Mm-hmm. Shortly after the battle began, Downey was killed, and after several hours of fighting, the British surrendered. Mm-hmm. Revoss called off the land battle, and the British retreated to Canada. Which honestly is a good victory for America, of course. Right. But again, there's not that much detail. It's yeah, literally yeah. just so this happened, this happened. Oh look, the battle's over. We won. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I mean that was was that 1813 or? Uh no, it was uh, 1814. Oh okay, gotcha. September so 1814. The year before, another similar, very similar thing was the Battle of Lake Erie, which right, which um, happened in. 
I want to say September 8th. I don't know for sure. Um, but that, that it was very similar. I would say um, that was probably one of the most critical battles of the war even yeah. though it didn't it didn't really like end the war or right. anything but in terms of the northwest which i would say is very important for us living in minnesota which right. is you know if if we had lost the northwest minnesota would not exist as, right. as we understand it um so you know just to give like a brief rundown of that, I don't know how much time we want to spend on the Battle of Lake Erie, but right. I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in it, right. so I've done some research. Hey, it's local history. And, um, Come on, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't love local history. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, basically, um, you know, after William Hall surrendered Detroit we couldn't really invade Canada anymore and we right. couldn't get back to Detroit because, um, the British controlled the upper lakes. Um, right. that is all the, the great lakes above Niagara Falls. Oh. So yeah. we have superior, all but Ontario, superior oh. Huron, Michigan, Erie. Right. So those are above Niagara Falls. And mm -hmm. what's so important about that is you couldn't really bring warships into those lakes because you had Niagara Falls in the way. So yep. you couldn't bring them in from the coast. Yeah. So neither America nor Britain really had any ships there to fight. Yeah. They had some, you know, America had zero. They had some merchant ships that were right. used. Um, but um, after Hull surrendered Detroit and then... Very shortly, th around the same time, sh um, well, it was called Fort Dearborn, but it's where Chicago is today. That was surrendered to the British. Yeah. Um, so the British pretty much captured everything west of Lake Erie. And right. that was a big deal. And um, But they couldn't really uh, march an army over there because they kept getting harassed by... Uh, Native American raids and such, and um, the fact that the British like held the lakes uh, prevented them from supporting any attack on land with a navy. So right. ultimately, what they did is they um, they said, "Well, we don't have a navy on the Great Lakes. We need to build a navy on the Great Lakes." <laughs> and so they gave. Um, well, they sent. Uh, a couple guys up to the Great Lakes. You had, you know, uh, a guy named Chauncey. Yep. He was uh, on Ontario mainly, but um, uh, Oliver Hazard Perry is the name of the man who oh, was put on, in charge of, uh, of um, Lake Erie. And uh, so, yeah, what a name. Hazard is my middle name, right? I know, right? And, <laughs> you know, that, that's <laughs> He was, I mean, you know how much Rhode Island had a reputation in that, yeah. in that day and age. He yeah. was a Rhode Islander, oh my. Um, a fiery man. <laughs> um, but he, he was, you know, in, interestingly enough, I don't know how much you've heard about, like, Japanese history, but his younger brother, Matthew Perry, came to Japan oh later in the 1860s yeah, with... Some open, gunboats yeah. and said, "Yeah, open Japan." Yeah, he and oh my god! Right, so <laughs> younger brother of this guy, uh, Oliver. So yeah, one of the 
first kind of naval families of America. Um, naval protege right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Perry went to Lake Erie and he was told, you got three months, build us a navy. <laughs> yep. No pressure, and No pressure, yeah. And the British were doing pretty much the same thing at the same time right. across the lake. And uh, he did. And he, so the guy on the other side of the lake was um British guy he was uh what's his name Barkley his name was Barkley and um it's interesting comparing those two because those are the two who fought in the battle yeah Barkley was 26 Perry was 27 wow um they both had a lot of experience in the navy but Perry had never fought in an actual battle Mm -hmm. Barkley on the other hand he was a veteran of the Battle of Trafalgar, which mm-hmm. is the, well, probably one of the best-known naval battles in British history. It's where um, Horatio Nelson smashed the French and Spanish fleets. Yep, yep. And, um, you know, died in the attempt. And Barclay commanded a ship during that battle. <laughs> so he was a very experienced, decorated sailor. Yeah. But the difference was... Um, you know, Barclay had never been in charge of building ships before. Perry, meanwhile, he had done a stint as being in charge of the naval harbor, I think, of Newport, Rhode Island or something. So he had some experience building ships. So when they started building ships, Perry had his his dudes... Um, <laughs> He basically just knocked out as many ships as possible. They were ugly. He didn't care. Just build them. Don't finish yeah. them. They, if they can sail, that's great. Yeah, right. um, meanwhile, Barclay spent time immaculately decorating his flagship, HMS Detroit, <laughs> and um, which Detroit would be the biggest ship on the lake uh, during the battle, but, you know, he didn't spend enough he not enough ships were built to really make a difference and so by the time the two fleets met in september 1813 um perry's was bigger and yeah ultimately better armed um and there's a lot more detail i could go into on the battle but that's that's all right for that but basically um uh, Barclay ended up after the battle surrendering his entire navy, his ent- or his entire force to Perry, and uh, Perry famously sent a message to William Henry Harrison saying, "We have met the enemy, and they are ours." Yep, yep, I remember that. And um, yeah, and that's that was the one of the first times um, uh, the Royal Navy had ever surrendered ships to an enemy. And so that's super interesting. And after that battle, instantly the Americans just won the lake. And that allowed the Americans to support an attack on Detroit, um, where William Henry Harrison um, would attack and retake. And then Harrison and Perry together fought in the Battle of the Thames, Mm -hmm. which was the battle where Tecumseh was ultimately killed. And after that battle, the Northwest was basically back in the hands of the United States. Yep. So I would say that if the battle had been lost, 
we might have lost the Northwest, and yeah. that would have been a pretty big deal. I know, in Puzzle School, I wouldn't have been named Northwestern. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not, just kidding. But, yeah. <laughs> nah. Yeah, War of 1812 is always something so fascinating to look at. Mm-hmm. And just, honestly, I want to research more about it. Even just yeah. like find out more about the individuals, because... For sure. Again, like you said, just it's a war that people just don't really want to remember too much because right. we can't ask more about. Right. Or, yeah. It was, yeah, I would say it's it was kind of a, a war that no one really wanted to fight. The bureaucrats wanted to fight the war, or I guess the politicians, I should say. And um, that, you know, they were the only ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, I just, yeah. These type of wars, I always want to see more about, like, even just research more and find more books about, but yeah. it's so hard to find, you know? <laughs> Do yeah. we want to talk about um, the raid on Baltimore and the writing of the Star-Spangled Banner? Sure. Oh, yeah, that's always a good important event. That's okay. always an important event to talk yeah, about. I just don't know much about it. <laughs> well, right. I was hoping you guys would know something. Oh, well, I do know some things about it, yes. Um, what was the battle again, or where was that again, David? I'm trying to remember. It was, it was Baltimore. Baltimore, right. But what it was the fort? Right. Fort McHenry? Yes, McHenry, yeah. yeah. What, well, I remember how the story goes, basically, is that the British invaded Fort, Bal- Fort McHenry in Baltimore, and they actually captured... Um, Francis Scott Key. Mm. And what I remember is that when they were taking him away via ship, he was seeing the Fort McHenry being burned to the ground, and what he saw still flying was our American flag. I don't think it was being burned to the ground. It was, well, being, it was just being burned. It was just being set ablaze. It was it was getting damaged because they were launching like what their like their version of bombs from the cannon. Our cannons. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah but I'll concede that to you. I'll concede it, that. It never yeah. actually fell, and they... Right. We're able to keep it. Right. And that's just the other thing, too, because that's what partially inspired of what that is what inspired Francis Scott Key to write the song, especially when he saw the American flag still standing. And that's why how we hence why we have those lyrics in the song. Um, uh, our flag was still there. Yeah. Our flag was still there. The bombs yep. bursting in air. Yeah. Our flag was still there. Yep. Exactly. And that's why he still wrote. That's why those lyrics were recorded into that song. I honestly don't remember much of what happened after Francis Scott Key got captured, but I remember that was the reason why he wrote the song was because right. of seeing the flag still standing. Yeah, it was um, trying to remember the lines. Um, and the rockets, red glare, the bombs Rose bursting in the air, gave proof through, through the, the night because he witnessed the battle through the night. Yes, mm-hmm. that yeah. our flag was yeah. still there. Yep. Because when they launched the cannonballs and the bombs, those uh, gave gave a light to the flag still being there. Yeah. Right. And honestly, it's just, yeah, no, having that, there's honestly still one of our biggest memories we always have to remember for that war. Mm-hmm. And again, there's just so much more, again, it's just only the main plot points. You don't know the main de- details within it itself. But. Yeah, I actually don't know much about Fort McHenry in that battle. All I know is we won some damage, but the flag stayed and we didn't lose the fort, so. Yeah. But. And also, I could be wrong, too. And Francis Scott Key might have escaped or something, too. But I'm positive he got captured by the British. But I don't know if he was captured. Well, he maybe was. he was. Yeah, that's yeah, what I thought. Yeah. He was. Let me uh, see what I okay. can read. Because I don't know if he, they were taking him away somewhere. Because he witnessed enough of battle to write, write those lines. So 
I'm, I'm well, wondering I'm, if he was like there for the whole battle or for a significant portion of it. I think it was just for a portion because again, he was in the ship when he wrote the song when he saw the flag still standing. I think right. he actually did ask a British officer to give him a, pa- a pen and a paper, a quill and a paper back then. Yeah. As well, and I think he did give it to him for something to write because I think he was. I think then actually he was known for writing beautiful poetry, beautiful literature, and oh. stuff. If I remember correctly, but. <laughs> <sighs> no, I just Francis Kaki, and just talking about the legacy right there. Especially since mm-hmm. you hear that in every single sports game you play, every Fourth of July, oh, every. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I always remember um, this old Johnny Cash on a ragged old flag, and he always yeah. made a reference in the song about how uh, how are you like pointing out on the flag? This is where the when a cannon went, where a bullet went through when. <laughs> Well, my friend just got a key wrote, do you always say, can you see? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. There was um, also um, another good uh, songwriter of what are historic American songs is um, over there for the <laughs> World yeah. War One, And um, he also wrote the song Grand Old Flag. Yep. And mm. uh, it's... And he actually received for both those songs the Congressional Medal of Honor. Wow! Because those, while they're not, the, neither of them are a national anthem. They were both very significant for their time and oh, yeah. boosted the morale in America for uh, support of the nation's values, as well as just the war front in, uh, it, as well as the war front in um, uh, Europe during mm. World War One. But that's right. aside from the war right. of eighteen twelve. Yeah. Nah. Well, yeah, if only we had more sources. Like, I, I'm really upset that I forgot my bag because if I brought that with me for this podcast, I would have had some more stuff. Because I remember for my digital humanities course, I literally got a list of websites for War of eighteen twelve sources I can look at, oh, primary okay. sources and secondary sources. But uh, probably have to do a part two for this one at some point down the road. I think we but, should. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be good because there seems to be more about. And not just the Battle of Lake Erie, but other battles that we should discuss in detail. Yeah, I think that uh, New Orleans is a big battle. It's important to talk yeah. about. Um, yeah, Plattsburgh you mentioned a little bit. Yeah, I think that it's it's a war. It's a nebulous war, as you said. But I think that we know we can find out more than it might seem. Right. right? Like yeah. the sources are there. It's not ancient history. Exactly. Um, it's just the the hard part is just knowing, like, uh, I don't know, just evaluating everyone's motivations. Right. I guess. Yeah. Like, what do you by chance know the American people's motivation, whether or not they were motivated to actually fight? Because it seemed like, and this wouldn't be, this definitely wouldn't be the last for Congress, but it seemed a war more motivated by us. Uh, singular group of congressmen right i mean the actual american people clearly as um evidenced by davy crockett and daniel mm-hmm. boone like people or yeah daniel boone um people definitely wanted to fight but yeah. that wasn't everyone it was right one of the least popular wars in history yeah. just based on the people and um yeah i i mean Clearly, William Paul's army was mutinous. They didn't really want to fight. There wasn't really a cause because yeah. previous American wars, it was all about defending the homeland, defending your backyard. Yep. Um, this was the first war, and what 
I feel like the American school system <laughs> doesn't really want to talk about is it was an aggressive war, really. Yeah. I mean, we just up and invaded Canada. That was yeah. the opening of the war. I mean, foolishly, but still. Right. I <laughs> obviously didn't know we invaded Canada. I must have, like, not paid attention <laughs> when I was in, like, middle or high school. Yeah. Right. I don't, remember. I don't, I don't think they either, talk honestly. about it. They yeah. don't talk about it. They I, just say... I don't remember that. Right. They just say, it was the impressment of sailors, and then yeah. the yeah. British Battle came Orleans, and burned down uh, oh, the, this and Battle of New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah, Francis, Battle of New Orleans. Francis got key with the national anthem. Exactly. Move on. I thought it was a cool war when I was younger, but now I look at it, I'm like, this war makes no sense. At the same right. time, is it, that's what makes it even more fascinating because you want to know more yeah, about the context right. behind it. But no, yeah. and I yeah, I I think that it's 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 little well known or little known rather because we choose to let it be little known. Yeah. Because we don't want to talk about it. It's not as glorious as other yeah. wars. Definitely not as glorious as World War II. Right. It's like, right. Our, I think that was like our peak of like right. yeah. military prowess and like yeah. strength. Yeah. Right. Also the perseverance of like with the Civil War and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, like, true. Yeah. Be- that one, I mean, it's bloody and aggressive, but like there's so much like conflict that ripples through time to hours yeah. that, which is why it's still being so discussed but yeah. War of 1812 everyone's kind of like eh. it shouldn't have happened basically that's yeah. what people think and that's I mean fair enough right. but it, it probably happened. shouldn't have and I do believe there were people who were passionate like hey they can't impress our, fr- right. our friends our family yeah. our neighbors yeah anything of that nature and is. that is true like there, there yeah I shouldn't uh, make it seem like there weren't legitimate grievances against the British. Like, right. they were actively supporting uh, native enemies of America. Right, and, right. Like, that is true. Um, but America was not ready for war. No. And it was just a, a bad time. I really think they should have gotten a more peaceful, uh, a strong, peaceful route. Right. Maybe, I, w- I want to say the Jay Treaty, but a lot of Americans weren't a fan of that when it was passed. But, like, something a little more stronger than that, saying... Right, and I think that like I I don't know I wasn't I'm, I wasn't around there I don't know exactly the the political situation but I feel like considering the uh, Britain was in the midst of dealing with Napoleon they probably would have been more or less willing to make concessions in exchange for avoiding war but maybe not I don't know right. Right. I mean like I said impressment was ended five days after war was declared <laughs> so i guess they and mail were, takes a while to travel that's true between yeah, yeah. That, that is it, the ironic thing is so impressment was ended five days after war was declared and so that began the war with a weird timing delay yeah, thing right, and then at the right. end of the war we had the battle of new orleans taking yeah. place after peace was signed another weird timing delay yeah and then the all the other the other controversy after that but <laughs> Yeah, no. very very interesting. What was that controversy? Well, Jackson, he was had some. He was very harsh and cruel toward oh, Indians, the Americans, yeah. and yeah. like it was very controversial at that time and stuff too. But yeah. another thing too, I would also mention is like, yeah, not only that too, but oh gosh, my thought disappeared for me. I hate when that happens. <laughs> no, it's that that that, that trying really there. Nah, it's just an interesting war to see how that all started and how it all ended, but. It also is just like I feel like the war itself with the whole like um, 
impressment but then take off five days after war is declared it's kind of like um like the british is also looking for them to start a war mm. at the same time it's like kind of like when uh, like two bro- like two brothers or something just teasing each other like you can't touch me you can't touch me you can't touch me and then all of a sudden just starts into a big brawl fight <laughs> oh, oh yeah it's like a knife museum too you cannot cross this line yes and then he crossed the- <laughs> i can't believe you just <laughs> yeah and i'm like that's basically what it was <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, it's like uh, uh, America and Britain were brothers, and they were trying. They began poking each other, like trying to know each other. And then yeah. it turned into fists, and then a wrestle. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And then just like, well, too late to re- repair that one. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, so yeah, like, oh, sorry, mom and dad. I gave him a bloody nose. Yeah. Yeah, I, I may have bruised his heel, or you know, <laughs> he might have a slight fracture in his knee joint but you know right. we're all right we both survived not a problem we both respect each other now <laughs> <laughs> well I'll give there, are, there are lots of funny analogies that could be come up with this but i oh, yeah. spend a lot of time doing that <laughs> right. oh no are you guys kind of good with the discussion here because i definitely think we should do a part two for this yeah because, i think yeah. we might be ready what do you think david think we i mean if things? we can yeah find material for it that's fine but you know, it's it's whatever. I'd, oh, yeah. I'd love to come back and and talk about that or something else or totally whatever. Frankly, I want to. I honestly would like to talk about the lesser known wars as other topics because I have a category for that because there's like also like the Spanish American War or like, oh um, yeah, what was the one with Theodore Roosevelt at the with the Rough Riders? Um, uh, you're talk- the, that's the Spanish, Spanish American War, the Mexican American Mexican American War. Yeah, those two wars. I'm like. What right. happened? Uh, all I know is like Alamo Rough Riders and yeah, and we right. gained more land in Texas. Yeah, there right. was dispute over where that border between yeah. Texas and Mexico. Yeah, was. I mean, yeah, I I think that the um, looking at the wars preceding other wars is super interesting because yeah. the Mexican American War is where all of the Civil War generals gained experience. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. And Wait, no, Zachary Grant, didn't Grant Lee. War. Right. Like yeah, Lee and, and yeah. you know and Grant they served in there they and... right. They they fought alongside people who might be fighting against them in a few years. And yeah. And I mean it's the same with like I mean um well, eighteen twelve and the revolution, in a in a sense, is a lot of the commanders were revolution veterans, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I uh, another war, the English Civil War. Ooh, I'd love yes. to talk about that. I could talk for Everybody's hours about heads, that. Yeah. There's also the Thirty Years War. Thirty Years yeah, War. That's I, another I, one. Hundred Years War. Hundred. Oh my gosh. War of the Roses. I, Britain and France. They just. I would love to talk about. Why did they? That. They have right. such a history of getting involved in each other's business. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they are neighbors, kind of. They're neighbors, and it you know it goes back to really it goes back to the Norman Conquest yeah. because mm-hmm. when the you know the oh yeah the, the ruler of Normandy invades england he, he didn't give up normandy he still yeah. was king of normandy too and yeah so england had a bunch of french land and they were trying to figure out how do we relate to france do we just follow right. france the french lead or do we you know honestly honestly you can even talk you could even talk about like say 
like obviously it wasn't an official war, but like Catholics versus the Protestants of England and France and Spain, especially the Spanish Armada. And right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Philip I mean, and Mary and Elizabeth, the political intrigue in that. Very much so. Very much wrapped up with the Thirty Years' War and the English Civil War as well, even yeah. after that. No, yeah. there's, there's a lot of topics we have to mm-hmm. talk about. Just Yeah. Uh, I definitely think we should do a part two to the war. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, we'll, sure. we'll have to plan that within the next set of weeks here. Yeah. But, well, David, thank you for joining us of tonight. Of course. It's a pleasure to be here, Wyatt and Andrew. Totally. We look forward to doing this again. Mm-hmm. As always, everybody, hope you all have a great night, and we'll see you next time on our next episode.